This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Which teams have the best chance of dethroning Golden State in the playoffs? Who's leading the way in the most improved player race? And we'll share a moment's silence to remember the Lakers' disastrous season. Let's talk about it. What's up guys, Jamie here, and we're back with another episode of the SEIC Show. I hope you're doing fantastic today. But before before we get into the meat and potatoes of, this, of today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment to reflect upon and remember the Lakers' season, now that their playoff chances are slowly fading away. And that should do it. But that being said... It's not completely over. They do still have a 3% chance of making the postseason. And as a diehard LeBron fan, I haven't lost all hope just yet. They did beat the Pelicans the other night for their second win after the All-Star break. In the process, LeBron did a pretty good job shutting everyone up that came out and said that he should be shut down for the rest of the season. I think uh, even more glaringly, he, uh, he proved Stephen A. Smith wrong. Uh, I'm not sure if you if you guys know, but Stephen A. Smith came out and said that um, LeBron was the Lakers' single biggest problem, which is just, I mean, that's that's just laughable on so many levels. I mean, I don't even need to get into that. And yeah, that that was it. Just a quick side note to start off. Uh, I think that's enough about the Lakers' depressing situation. So uh, let's just get into our main topics for today. Right. So. Unless you just got into watching the NBA yesterday or you've been living off under a rock for the past four years, you'll you'll know that the Golden State Warriors have been the kings of the NBA during this span. I mean, they've won three out of the last four championships, they've won two straight, and they've already established themselves and a dyna- as a dynasty. And now, this year, after adding to Marcus Cousins, have the single scariest starting five in NBA history. I mean, when everything's clicking for this team, they are literally unstoppable. And I'm not sure if you can say that about any other team, not just in basketball, but in in sports, I think. I mean, no, no team in the league can match them in terms of firepower. And we've yet to see a defense that can slow down the Kevin Durant Warriors enough to win four games in a seven-game series. However, past couple of seasons have revealed a couple of flaws with this Golden State squad in that they sometimes fall victim to their own success. They can become complacent, put themselves in cruise control, and just sort of, you know, drift through portions of games or portions of a season and this year on top of that there's also been a fair bit of drama surrounding the team between uh, the Draymond Green and Kevin Durant beef uh, as well as the pending free agencies of both Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson as well so when the bright lights of the NBA playoffs roll around we know that 
anything can happen. It's not like this thing is a foregone conclusion, although it may seem that way. Um, and although Golden State are still considered heavy favourites, it's not impossible to think that a team could knock them off. So that's what we're going to take a look at. We're going to look at the six teams that I think have the best chance of dethroning Golden State in the playoffs. So, start off. Number six, we have the Houston Rockets. Now, last year, this team was built for Golden State, and they would have been number one on this list by far. And you know what? They proved they proved everyone right, where they, they took them to seven games in the conference finals. And if Chris Paul hadn't gotten injured in game five, we could be we could be talking about the Houston Rockets as reigning NBA champs right now. Uh, now, they're not the same team this year, uh, losing Trevor Ariza and Luke Richard and Bamute. Uh, it's been tough. Uh, they still do have James Harden, the beard, the reigning MVP. And couple that with a healthy Chris Paul, and this team can be dangerous come playoff time. You can see it recently, uh, since Chris Paul's come back from injury. This team just seems to be, they seem to be clicking. They're on a nice wee hot streak at the moment. However, in order to challenge Golden State, not only do they need their two stars playing at the top of their games, they'll also need to regain some of the the tough, hard-nosed, gritty defensive identity that made them so successful against Golden State in the playoffs a year ago. So we'll just have to wait and see how that pans out. All right, number five, the Oklahoma City Thunder. So the Thunder have emerged this year as the biggest threat to the Warriors in the West, I think. And they have two things going for them when the playoffs roll around, and if they end up facing Golden State, of course. That is their defense, number one, and then the tandem of Russell Westbrook and Paul George. So the Thunder's defense has been good this year, even without Andre Robertson, who, along with Paul George, should be in consideration for the best perimeter defender in the league when he's healthy, of course. Oklahoma City, as a team, forced the most turnovers in the NBA. They force over 17 turnovers per game, and they average a little over 10 steals a night as well. So once Roberson returns, which will hopefully be at some point this season, their defense will just become that much more suffocating. A defense that is probably as close as you can get to slowing down Golden State. And when you look at the matchups... They actually do match up quite well. You can put Russ on Steph Curry. Andre and PG can take Clay and KD. They can sort of they can swap about with those with those guys. And then Steven Adams can take DeMarcus Cousins down low. And I think of all the teams in the league, the Thunder may match up best with Golden State, and they may have the best chance of slowing them down. Now, let's get to the dynamic duo of Paul George and Russell Westbrook. So First off, Russ, he's on pace to average a triple-double for the third year in a row. I mean, that is just that is just insane. And, I mean, he, he just, he does it all. And this year, he's, you can see he's, def- he's deferring to Paul George a lot more. He's sort of changed his style of play to a more team-oriented style of basketball, which has allowed Paul George to emerge as a legit MVP candidate. I mean, he's putting up 29 points a night, eight boards, four assists, playing lockdown defense. These two have really figured out how to play together, how to thrive together. 
and this has made them one of the scariest duos in the NBA. Now, the one question mark when it comes to OKC come playoff time will be Russell Westbrook's jump shot. He's not been able to get it to fall all year. I mean, he's shooting, what is it, like 26% from three or something like that. But, I mean, if he can if he can start getting his perimeter shots to fall, Golden State might have a real problem if they face this team in the playoffs. Now, moving to the east, we have the Toronto Raptors coming in at number four. Now, I just want to preface this by saying these the top four in the east... You could you could jiggle this order around. I mean, four could be number one, one could be number four. It's, just, it's that close. And Toronto, they have one of the most complete rosters in the league, and they got even better at the trade deadline when they added Mark Gasol and Jeremy Lin. Like Jeremy Lin, people forget about that. That was an underrated, underrated signing there. Now, any team that has Gasol coming off the bench is going to be a pretty damn good team. And, I mean, that, that's the situation at the moment. Gasol's coming off the bench, letting Serge Ibaka and Pascal Siakam start up front. Now, we can't forget Toronto. They're led by Kawhi Leonard, the quiet superstar, who is, quietly, having an MVP-caliber season, leading this squad to the second-best record in the NBA. And I think this year he's done a brilliant job at reminding the world that he should be in the conversation as a top three player in the world. And let's go let's go down the list. They also have Kyle Lowry, who's having an all-star year. Uh, Pascal Siakam, who's emerged as a rising star. And Serge Ibaka, who's having one of his best seasons this year. So you look at this team, they don't have any obvious weaknesses. And I think they have as good a shot as any Eastern Conference team of making the finals. And if they get there, it's not like they're just going to be rolled over by Golden State. This this team is for real. <laughs> now, number three, the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I think the Philadelphia 76ers, they're the only team in the league that can really hold a candle to Golden State starting five. At the trade deadline, they made what I think was a blockbuster trade to make. Pretty, pretty darn scary starting five of their own. They've got Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. Now, as long as they all stay healthy, this this starting unit alone can compete with anyone in the league. And yes, that includes Golden State. Now, as well as being one of the more versatile offensive lineups around... This squad can cause major problems on the defensive end as well with their ridiculous length. They've got Joel Embiid as a, one of the best rim protectors in the league. And then they have lockdown weapons on the perimeter like Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons. So, I mean, these guys, they're definitely capable of causing problems for guys like Steph and Clay. And if they can, if they can get to those guys, especially early in games, they could disrupt Golden State's rhythm throughout the course of the game. That being said... This team may still be a year or so away from true contention, given that, you know, Ben Simmons is still developing, Joel Embiid's still young, and they're still, their new big four, they're still, they still need time to click and gel and develop chemistry. And you never know, a year from now, they could be number one on this list. Now, number two, we have the Boston Celtics. Before the season started, the Celtics were the team everyone had penciled in as 
basically the the team to beat in the East, the team that was most likely going to reach the finals, and the team with the best chance of anyone of defeating Golden State. However, they have been one of the more disappointing squads in the league this year, and they are going through a rough patch at the moment as well. Their main problem this season has been meshing with each other and putting all of their pieces together. Now, they have gone through some lineup changes and they've had key guys like Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward. These guys have kind of struggled with their new roles coming off the bench. But all these things are fixable. And luckily for the Celtics, they have one of the brightest minds and best young coaches in the game in Brad Stevens. So, I mean, if if anyone can fix these issues that the Celtics have, I do think it's him. And if this team can get on the same page, if they can buy in and accept their roles, be a star, and each if each player can be a star in their role, then they could end up living up to expectations after all this year. And finally, number one, a team that I don't think anyone would have picked before the season started, and that is the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, we knew they were a good team, but I don't think anyone expected them to have the best record in the league at the All-Star break. I mean, that's just something else. And obviously, everything for this team starts with Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is arguably the MVP frontrunner at the moment. And I think a lot of credit to Giannis's, you know, unleashing this year, you could call it, other than the work he puts in himself, has been new head coach Mike Budenholzer who is reminding all of us that he too, like Brad Stevens, is one of the best head coaches in the game. But it's not like this squad is just a one-man show. It's not just Yanis. I mean, this Bucks organization, they've done a great job at finding complementary pieces to surround the Greek freak with. You've got Chris Middleton, who's thriving as a second star, and he was just named to his first All-Star game this year, actually. Um, Eric Bledsoe has been a steady, reliable two-way point guard for them. Brooke Lopez has become an ideal stretch five in today's NBA. And then at the trade deadline, they also went out and got Nikola Mirotic, who I think will be invaluable come playoff time. Just put simply, this this team is stacked. They play together, they play hard, they defend, and I think most importantly, they match up well with Golden State. And with the way Yanis has been playing all year, the Bucks could potentially have the best player in the series if they face each other in the finals. He is that good. So let me know what you think. Uh, is this order stupid? Have I missed anyone? Are there any surprise teams that can come out of nowhere and challenge Golden State? Just let me know what you think. And with that, we're moving on. Now, I wanted to talk about... The award race that not many people seem to be talking about, and that is the race for most improved player. Now, the NBA's most improved player award often gets overlooked and forgotten about with all the with all the fanfare and the hype and excitement surrounding the main events of award season, like the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year. Um but the but the MIP award, it signifies well, a player's hard work, their commitment, dedication to the game. And more times than not, it often serves as a, as a sort of stepping stone 
for the winner to to inch closer to take that next step to to true stardom in the league. Now this year the race the race for the most improved player award is a pretty darn close one. We've got numerous legitimate candidates emerging as the season has progressed. Uh, so I, d- I just want to take a look at some of the top contenders. Now, there are some some guys you'll probably not hear me mention. You'd be like, oh, why didn't why didn't you pick him? So I just want to go through a list of honorable mentions now. So guys that didn't make my list but may have made your list. So I've got Joel Embiid, Nikola Vucevic, Terrence Ross, so two guys from the Orlando Magic. I've got Emmanuel Moutier from the New York Knicks before he got hurt and now he's come back. Uh, coming off the bench got Derek Rose one of the best stories this year uh, and then for the Miami Heat got Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson and then finally last up on the honorable mentions list I've got Montrez Harrell for the LA Clippers now let's get into the main list at number seven I have Paul George of the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I've already touched on him a little bit earlier in the episode, so I don't need to don't need to uh, go over too many too many things. But basically, simply put, he is putting up career highs in most statistical categories. He's having his best season by far, and to me, I think he should be considered for not one, not two, but three of the major awards, and that is most improved player. Obviously, we're talking about that now. MVP, I've talked about that in the past as well, and Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, Paul George does it all for this team. Number six, D'Angelo Russell for the Brooklyn Nets. So, Russell, he's been on an absolute tear this year and currently has the Nets as a playoff team in the East, which I don't think many people expected, actually. Now, after struggling with injuries in his first year in Brooklyn last year, he has managed to bounce back in a huge way, and he's finally starting to live up to the hype that he had uh, when he came into the league back in, was it 20, 2015? 2015, yeah, Kobe's last season. Um, so now in his fourth year, he's finally starting to put the pieces together and live up to his potential. Now he's shown dramatic improvements in almost every every area, and not only that, he's... He's he's seemingly matured into a into a leader for this young Brooklyn team and is probably the main reason they are where they are right now. Number five, I've got Zach Levine for the Chicago Bulls. So when when Jimmy Butler was traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves a couple summers ago now, in exchange for Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and what turned into Lowry Markinen, it seemed clear at the time that the Bulls were the losers of the trade, uh, especially since Levine, who was the best player in the trade, uh, going to Chicago, I mean, he was coming off an ACL tear the previous season, and last year it looked like he was coming off an ACL tear. He averaged less than 17 points, shot under 40% from the field. I think he only played in, well, less than 30 games as well, so... Um, he just clearly wasn't himself last year, but this year, God, everything has changed. Levine, he's turned into a go-to star for the Young Bulls, and even after the ACL tear, he's managed to retain 
pretty much 100% of his almost inhuman athleticism. Man, this guy's got some crazy bounce to him. And although the Bulls may not be winning many games, they do have a bright future if Levine manages to stay healthy. Right, next up, I've got John Collins for the Atlanta Hawks. So, Collins, he had a good rookie season for the Hawks a year ago, and I actually think he was one of the more underrated rookies uh, last year, but that was only because it was such a loaded class last year. Guys like Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons, and others. But now he is... He's totally he's taken his game to a whole other level he's added a he's added a three-point shot and i think because of that and another year of experience under his belt as well he's looking so much more comfortable in an nba offense and he's actually he he seem he seems pretty comfortable as a as a go-to scorer as well for the young hawks so they may be tanking right now but this atlanta team they they're definitely building something here so with Collins and Trey Young, they look like solid building blocks for the future, both of which are looking like, you know, future all-stars in the league. Now, number three, I've got Buddy Heald for the Sacramento Kings. So you may remember back when Buddy Heald was in college, what was that, like three years ago, four years ago now, he created so much hype for himself. I think he averaged about like 25 points a game in his final year. And he entered the league, so much buzz around him. And in the beginning, he looked like a slight disappointment. I mean, it wasn't like he was bad. He just didn't exactly explode onto the scene the way many of us thought he would. However, in year three, yeah, this is the third season now, he'll, he's taken the leap that we were all hoping he would at some point. And actually, he may have actually exceeded expectations this time he's become the leading scorer on a Sacramento Kings team that has shocked everyone this year and is still legitimately in the playoff race in the Western Conference. I mean, th- this team, they're exciting. They're one of the more exciting young teams in the league, and Heald is really one of their one of their key building blocks for the future, and he's showing it. He's balling out this year. Number two, we've got Buddy Heald's backcourt mate, De'Aaron Fox, who he did have a slightly rocky rookie season, as lots of rookie point guards do. He had his ups and downs. He was a bit inefficient, a bit inconsistent, but he has greatly matured and improved this year into a fringe all-star type point guard, uh, averaging, what, 17 points, 7 assists. He's upped his efficiency across the board. He's... He's got a much improved jump shot this year. Uh, a couple of that, but there's an insane speed. His his tremendous athleticism, and I think you can point to him and Buddy Hield's improvement as the key reason to why Sacramento has been so successful this year. But as awesome as those guys have been this year, I still don't have them in my number one spot. That spot belongs to Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors. Now, he's gone from a complete afterthought in his first year to a serviceable backup in year two. And now in year three, he has emerged as a rising star. Now, I already touched on him a bit when I was talking about uh, Toronto earlier in the episode. 
But um, just to touch on his improvements, he has he has improved in basically every key area of the game, the most notable of which being his outside shooting. Now, last season, he shot a putrid 22% on threes, which is just not going to cut it for a starting power forward in today's NBA. And it's not it's not like he took many, he took 1.6 a game, but even if you're taking that many, you should you should be knocking down at least a third of them, you know, at least 33%. This year, he has done exactly that and a bit more. So he's upped his percentage to about 34, 35% while also taking more per game. He's up to about two and a half attempts per game. I mean, going from bench warmer to an integ- a truly integral piece of a championship contender is it's, it's, no, it's no small feat. And to do it in just one season... I think that that is what makes it deserving of the Most Improved Player Award. But we'll just have to see how the rest of the season pans out. And with that, we've reached the final take of today's episode. And that is, I think, the, the, the best thing that has happened all week in the NBA and one of the, one of the greatest things that's happened all season and that is Dwayne Wade's game winner against Golden State the other night. The crazy, off-balance, one-footed fling that banked in at the buzzer as time expired to give the Heat a one-point win over the reigning champs. I mean, and it was his life. It was his last game ever against Golden State as well. That's what made it extra special. So, if you haven't seen that, go and watch that. It's it's just incredible. I want to end on the highest of high notes. And with that, I just just wanted to thank you guys again for tuning in. I mean, I really appreciate it. I'll be I'll be back with another episode next week. So, um, I'll see you then. Catch you on the next one. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.